0: It's time for episode 348 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, May 27th, 2020. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes.
1: Welcome back to Clockwise, the time-obsessed tech podcast that's ambivalent about herbs. I am Micah Sargent, and I am joined across the internet by my pal, my dungeon buddy, and (laughs) my co-host. I think I already said that part. It's Dan Morin. How you doing, Dan? I knew knew an herb once. He was all right. Ah, yes. Herb Wachowski. (sighs) Um... I am pleased to say that we are also joined by two awesome guests. And to my left is VFX artist and, of course, podcaster over on The Incomparable with Defocused and a few other shows that you may have heard about. It is Joe Rosensteel. Hi, Joe.
2: Hi, Micah. And
0: to my left this week... It is a web editor and producer of The Texas Standard, a writer about all sorts of things, including tech, classic film, and accessibilities, and the host of several podcasts, including Parallel right here on Real FM, and Lions, Towers, and Shields over at The Incomparable. It's Shelley Brisbane. Welcome back, Shelley.
3: Hello, Dan. You can take a breath now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's the allergies, too. The asthma really gets me this time. Of year. Oh Let me gosh. tell you. I'm going to need a couple minutes to, re- to recover here. Michael, why don't you take it from here?
1: I will gladly do that. Um, yeah, so... I've noticed, and maybe you have had the same situation, but certainly for me, uh, sleep has been difficult as of late. Um, if I do fall asleep, I find myself waking up in a bit of a panic 30 to 45 minutes after falling asleep and kind of just rinse and repeat all night. Um, so I was just curious, do you use or have you used any tech to help you with your sleep? You know, that could be sleep tracking or meditation apps or what have you. Uh, Joe, we'll start with you.
2: Uh no, other than the sometimes I'll use the uh, the bedtime feature in the clock app and uh, set a bedtime reminder and uh, a a wake up time for gentle chimes to occur. Um, and as far as any other technology, uh, I don't know if melatonin counts as a technology, but uh, <laughs> sometimes I'll take a tiny one milligram dose of that if I can't sleep. Um, but uh, that's that's about it for me.
1: So you're not using Borg nanoprobes? No, no. Hmm. Interesting
0: um yeah i don't tend to do much with tech i mean i have sort of like my my wind down routine which involves generally you know switching to my kindle to read a book before bed but i confess that i sometimes do go back and check my phone still which is not great um uh my wife listens to podcasts to fall asleep i hope they're not mine although (laughs) i wouldn't blame her um and other than that, I don't really think I do much tech-wise with sleep, unless you count the brick that I keep next to me to knock myself out when I wake up again in the middle of the night. It's the height of technology. Uh, I, I'm Sleep tracking is one of those things where I don't... I know a lot of people have talked about that for the watch. And frankly, I just don't like wearing my watch when I sleep. So I think that's kind of a non-starter for me. But I'm interested to see what other solutions might be hit upon for technology, because I'm, I'm always interested in getting more and better sleep. I know how important that is. I know how much Micah is into good sleep, and I I support that.
3: I wore a Fitbit for about a year and a half, and I used the sleep tracking. And I realized that what I was doing with it was comparing what the text said, the numbers, with how I actually felt about my sleep after I woke up. And that was kind of interesting to me because I would think, oh, I had a real nice night's sleep, but the numbers said, well, you were tossing and turning, or you you were in REM sleep for this period of time. And I don't know that I was able to do anything with that information, but I found it interesting. And the only reason I quit was because I got an Apple Watch. So yes, if they brought sleep tech to the watch, I would certainly use it. Uh, these days, I I listen to podcasts to fall asleep. Not yours, Dan. Uh, actually, the thing that puts me to sleep is audiobooks, because more so than podcasts, the tone is consistent. It's usually one person speaking. So if I really want to go to sleep, I'll put on a very familiar audiobook. And melatonin. Yes, that too.
1: Ah, I love that you said that, Shelly. Um, I pretty much every night fall asleep to audiobooks. Um, I have a device called, I think it's called Beauty Rest. Um, and it is, it's a, a sleep tracking system that you put between your uh, box springs and your mattress. And it will, uh, check your, your sleep and your heart rate and your respi- respiration while you are asleep and then give you a score in the, the next day, and sometimes I'll look at that, and sometimes I won't, depending on where I feel I am mentally. There's quite a bit of tech, but I think yeah, above uh, more than anything else, um, I find that the the audiobooks are the things that help me fall asleep. And then occasionally, when I'm in a bit of an emergency, I will take some Zekol uh to help me fall asleep which is essentially just an antihistamine Alrighty, folks let's move on to our next topic which comes from joe
2: speaking of things that get you really excited hbo max launched today uh do you know what hbo max is do you know if you get hbo from a uh, hbo max because you have a previous hbo subscription do you have too much going on to even bother looking into it
0: uh, HBO Max, wasn't that like a futuristic sitcom or TV show from like the 80s? I don't, I, don't. no, I, I do know what HBO Max is, but only because I read several articles about it. And in fact, I was curious and thinking, no, oh, I'm an HBO now subscriber and have been for a while. I wonder how this impacts me. And the other day, literally yesterday, I was talking about this, I went and happened to check my spam filter and found my email. <laughs> Saying, hey, you're going to get HBO Max because you're an HBO Now subscriber. So I did, in fact, update my apps this morning and went to look and browse around and see what kind of content is there. I think that my feelings on it are like there is there is some content in there that I want to watch. But, you know, Joe's right that there's just like the content saturation is so high right now that adding a bunch of other stuff on top of it is definitely not something that I feel like I really have the ability to do. So there might be a few things I check out. I mean, I'm still going to watch the HBO stuff I was watching before, like John Oliver and Westworld and things like that. But I don't know that there's a lot I want to branch out in there, which is too bad because there are shows even in there right now that I thought, oh, you know, I'd love to see that, but I don't have access to it. Uh, And on the flip side, there's stuff that I want to watch that was on services owned by Warner that is not included in this. So several of the things from like the DC Universe uh, streaming service, which is still its own thing, are not included in HBO Max. I don't know why. Uh, So all in all, confusing, but at least I'm paying the same price I was paying with HBO Now and getting more content. So I guess that's good.
3: I know what it is. I don't have it. I'm not an HBO consumer of any kind so I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything and it's $15 a month. Good grief, man. Uh, I mean for people who are fans of HBO content specifically, it's probably a no-brainer. Obviously there's lots of other stuff too, but uh, there're a lot of other streaming services also. So it's just not it's it's not for me uh and uh, yeah, I don't I don't think I'm going to find any of the Time Warner content I'm missing. On HBO Max, to be honest, I haven't looked because the thing I care about most is Turner Classic movie stuff. And HBO Max is unlikely to be where I would find most of that content. There might be some classics. I'm sure there are. As I say, haven't looked. But uh, I, I think I think for me, the price is, um, the fact that I'm not an HBO consumer means I probably wouldn't have done it anyway. But the price is a super deterrent, especially when you compare it to all those, the other streaming services that are available. And if you feel like you have to have more than one of those, then you're you're looking into some serious bucks if you're adding HBO Max to your life.
1: Yeah, uh, it's, it's very pricey. Uh, I have, I've not looked a lot into it. I had, I don't think I have. I think I had. I, I honestly can't be sure. I think at some point I had HBO, but I think it was for a period of time just so I could watch something on HBO. I honestly don't remember. Um, So no, I have not bothered looking much into it, but I just learned that there's Looney Tunes on HBO. um, And there was something else that seemed of interest to me but I don't know if I have it so I guess I'll have to check today <laughs> to find out uh, Joe save me from my shame what what
2: are your last thoughts on this? Uh, I think the rollout has been very confusing and uh, I, I'm not surprised by the the answers given that uh, it's not immediately obvious why anyone would really want this over regular HBO because uh, the name basically, uh, 50% of it communicates that it has HBO, and then the rest of it doesn't really specify what it is you're getting. Um, the billboards I've seen around town have uh, mainly shown things that you already could get through your HBO subscription, uh, like uh, there was a Dark Knight meets Sister Knight uh, billboard, and it's like, great, both of those were, uh, one was a movie you could watch uh, through HBO, and the other one was a TV series you could watch through HBO. So it doesn't really elaborate on that. Uh, although I do like the uh, Where Aquaman Meets Batman Meets Cartman um, uh, HBO Max billboard, because that's what everyone wants, I think. Um, And uh, I I have to say, even though I tried to be a good um, uh, service consumer this morning and uh, go to HBO Max's link on their Twitter to go to the thing to download the HBO Max app, when you click on it in the App Store, it... Kicks you to the HBO now app. If you had that on your phone already, it doesn't update it from HBO now to HBO max. You have to go to your own updates and drag down and then it will update that to HBO max. Then you have to log in with your uh, credentials for your service provider. If you're somebody who gets it because you have uh, a certain AT&T plan that qualifies or a, uh, you, you have a cable company or a satellite company that, um, it has a qualifying subscription. Uh, and uh, I did that. And then it asked me to create an HBO Max account. And I tried to do that. And then it said it needed to link my existing account with an existing account. And I said, Okay, sure, send me the verification email. It uh, did not arrive in my inbox. And uh, as of this writing, it's uh, as of this uh podcasting, it still hasn't. And uh it kicked me back from the uh, the the verification page to a an account signup page. So I'm going to give this a little bit to continue to percolate. But uh, I, I'm not surprised that this is quite as AT and T sloppy as it is.
1: Let's take a quick break before we round out the show because it's halftime. This episode of Clockwise is brought to you by. Linode. Whether you're working on a personal project or managing your enterprise's infrastructure, Linode has the pricing, the support, and scale you need to take your project to the next level. We've got 11 data centers worldwide, including their newest data center in Sydney, Australia. And with enterprise-grade hardware, S3-compatible storage options, and its next-generation network, Linode delivers the performance you expect at a surprisingly good price. Get started on Linode today with a $20 credit for listeners of this show, and you're going to get access to native SSD storage, a 40-gigabit network, and industry-leading processors. You're going to get root access to your server along with API version 4 and Python CLI, Nanode plans starting as low as 5 bucks a month, and block storage and object storage that can scale you scale to your storage requirements. Plus so much more. Hey, head over to linode.com clockwise and use the promo code clockwise 2020 when creating a new Linode account and you're going to get a $20 credit toward your next project. Oh, and by the way, Linode is hiring right now. So if that's something that interests you, hey, go ahead and head over to linode.com careers to find out more. Once again, that's linode.com slash clockwise with the promo code clockwise2020 for that $20 credit. And our thanks to Linode for their support of this show and all of Relay FM.
0: So Twitter is labeling some tweets as misinformation, and Facebook at the same time reportedly buried uh, a report from its own internal investigators finding that the platform uh, increases division. I'm kind of curious what you think. It, what, should social media platforms be responsible for uh, contextualizing these kinds of information? This kind of information, um, if so, kind of what's the right way to approach that? What What are their responsibilities, and, and what should they be doing? Small scale question, I realize. Shelley,
3: your, the original premise of your question. Uh, was great because I had a joke that was going to work, but I'm going to tell it anyway. So the original premise of your question in the notes is if you ran a social network, what would you do? And my joke was going to be, well, if I ran a social network, I would be fabulously wealthy. So I would do the following. I would create a non-profit, I would fund a non-profit fact-checking outfit that would be independent of my social network. And I would say, I want you to fact-check the public figures who are out there who need fact checking and come up with a plan by which you decide who gets fact checked. And I will continue to sit on my bags of money and run my network. That won't solve all the problems, but I do feel like whenever you say to the networks, well, you need this terrible thing just happened. You need to fix it. That it's, it's harder than. It, it's not as simple as get the hate speech off, which I'm for. Uh, get the nudity off. Get this, you know, this thing that offends uh, some segment of society. It's it's incredibly difficult to thread the needles and and figure out what is. What, kind, what level of free speech you're going to provide? I wouldn't want to run a social network that was a cesspool. I think what Facebook has done is reprehensible. I think what Twitter is doing with the fact-checking thing is way late. I, I think it all stems from the fact that the people who run these networks are victims of their own success and never had any idea or never thought about the fact that people are the way they are and that networks growing without any sort of constraints are bound to end this way. And I, I think changing the platform now is why is why you get so much backlash from it, because people are just like, wait a minute, you've let this stuff go, this cesspool go on for 5, 10, 15 years, and now you're going to change it in a piecemeal patchwork fashion. And it seems like you have to think about this stuff from scratch or come up with a way to take a Uh, a a bigger picture look at how you can run a network that is both inclusive of all voices, but not a place that everybody makes jokes about not wanting to spend any time on.
1: That's hard. I mean, do you even need an answer from me now? I think we've got it. Um, (laughs) I agree with Shelley. Uh, I I don't have anything to add. I I would also focus on the fact-checking factor. I don't know if it would actually help in the end because uh, psychology tends to show that uh, a lot of times our beliefs and our own ideas are reinforced when we are confronted with, um, with with, not with composing, but with opposing ideas. So I don't know if it would result in, in someone believing that what they are having fact checked is, you know, inaccurate based on the fact check. Uh, but that is that is the place that I would want to focus, would definitely be on trying to uh, stem the spread of misinformation. Whether it would work is a whole nother uh, question that
2: I don't know has an answer. Joe, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty easy for us to um, say what uh, these companies should and shouldn't do, because it's it's hard to... uh, It seems obvious on his face that, uh, well, things that are factually wrong should be corrected. But at the same time, um, I don't entirely envy the position of being the person who has to tell certain political figures that what they have said is incorrect. But at the same time... Um, I agree that if we don't do that, then you just condone that. And it uh, doesn't uh, make your place a welcoming home for people who know that it's factually incorrect. It damages uh, the public at large. It damages people who aren't even using your platform because news organizations will reference those things that they see on your social network um, to, to uh, have that be a bit of news to discuss for their 24-hour news channel. I do think that they haven't done enough but uh it is weird to see people bow to um these political entities um because then eventually what the truth is becomes entirely subjective um if if you if you don't reinforce anything about it
0: yeah i think i think you're exactly right i mean uh, the way that this is being handled is more of a band-aid and the problem is a gaping wound um those two things don't go well together uh i think Shelley's right that like Fact-checking is the way to potentially go, but the scale is just so enormous. Even if you want to fact-check every public figure, there are a lot of public figures. Um, So, you know, rolling that out, I I agree with Joe. I don't don't envy Jack Dorsey or the people who are kind of going to be responsible for that. But at the same time, they dug that grave for themselves. You know, maybe they never envisioned that the service would get quite as popular and become as influential as it is, but they had the responsibility to figure out how to handle that. Because they are the ones who create it and they're the ones who are reaping the profit from it. Um, I also want to make it clear, you know, I'm not a lawyer, but the free speech angle of this always bothers me a bit because it's a private service. Uh, Twitter does not have, they're under no obligation <laughs> to host any kind of speech. Uh, and that's a thing that they often hide behind when they don't want to take responsibility for it. And I get it. Taking responsibility for that turns you into sort of a moderator and an arbitrator and potentially not only damages your services, but, you know, gets a lot of people angry. Why do you take down this thing and not this thing? Um, so, you know, it's a hard problem, but guess what? You're making millions upon millions of dollars. That's why you're getting paid that much is to think about these problems and find ways to solve them. And it's going to require more than slapping a warning on something. It's going to require actually taking a ground up approach to thinking about how this is handled, but leaving it running unchecked as it is now. Uh, I think is, is incredibly dangerous and incredibly irresponsible. So thanks for all your thoughts. I, you know, again, we could probably go another 10 minutes on this easily, but we don't have time because we have one more topic and it comes from Shelley.
3: So this is a three part question. Fear not. It's not too hard. Apple is reopening about 100 of its U.S. stores this week. And so my questions are as follows. Are you planning to go to an Apple store anytime soon? And before the pandemic, when was the last time you went to an Apple store? And what did you do there?
1: Uh, I am not planning to go to an Apple store anytime soon. Uh, as you noted in the document, uh, you can do a lot of what you need to do at an Apple store online, and I have taken advantage of that in the past. Uh, the last time I went to an Apple store, oh boy, it was right after I moved to, um, to California, and it was because my uh, MacBook Pro with Retina Display... Uh, an older model had started to do the battery bubble thing. And so I had to take it in to be serviced and have a new battery put into it. And at that point, it was nice and it was uh, fine and everything was good because we could be around people without freaking out (laughs) and and all was well. And I took it in and I said, "Uh, please fix my bulging laptop. And they did. And it was good. Uh, Joe, what about you?
2: Yeah, I have no immediate plans to go into an Apple store. And I hope that uh, I, I don't have anything go wrong with my existing Apple equipment. Uh, knock on, on wood. Um, because uh, I, I don't really want to do anything that involves going into the store or doing any online servicing. Um, I, I appreciate that those things exist. And I appreciate Apple's care. Um, I, I, I It's not that it I don't trust them or that I don't trust their retail processes um, or their response to this. I think they're taking this very seriously and their approach to this, um, I have no reason to doubt, Uh, will be uh, done very well. But I I just don't personally want to go into any store that I don't have to go into right now. It is not a criticism of Apple itself. I'm in an Apple store right now.
0: no that's not true i would not do that no i i have no plans to go immediately as joe was saying i don't go to any stores that i don't need to i go to the grocery store and occasionally at the drugstore that's about it um i fortunately don't have you know an immediate need to do so so i'm going to be perfectly happy with stuff online uh if new hardware comes out that'll be fine that's how i order stuff anyways i'm not going to a store to buy new hardware um as far as the last time I was in there, I honestly can't remember i was I was racking my brain, and I think I might have gone in with my wife to get a replacement for her um beats headphones like last fall I probably went in after that, but i really I really honestly can't can't remember um I was probably maybe went to the mall for something else. I was like, oh, I'll pop in the Apple store and, and just poke my head in and see what's there but yeah, uh, I cannot remember when that was, so guess I don't need to go back. <laughs>
3: So I don't plan to go to an Apple store either. As it happens, I had an iPad catastrophe happen a couple of weeks back, and the iPad took a header onto the floor, screen shattered, oh noes. And I was planning to order a new one from the campus computer store that I have access to because there's a slight discount. And so I did that, and I got a call from them. I assumed they would ship it. And I got a call from them, and they said, hey, uh, you want to come and pick it up curbside? And I said, all right, because I could get it that afternoon, and I live about a mile from this place. And so what's funny is it's on a university campus, so it's not like going to a storefront. It's going to an academic building that has a store in it. So there was texting back and forth about where we should park and how we should handle this contactless transaction, and it worked out fine. And so that was my interaction not with the Apple Store but with Apple products, and now I have a happy new iPad the last time I was there was for a repair for the iPad that is now no longer with us, I think about a year ago, and it was a, a weird thing where I couldn't, it, I couldn't ins- reinstall the operating system, and it was, it was something very strange. And they fixed the genius Bar uh, guy, fixed it for me, and everything was swell, and uh, he had to, you know, dig down deep and do, do Apple diagnostic things that I was not able to do and made it work. And sadly that iPad is no longer alive.
1: Hmm. No longer alive except in our hearts, in our minds, and in our thoughts. Uh, Well, folks, we have just about reached the end of of our episode, but we've got enough time for a bonus topic. My question for you, what was your favorite breakfast cereal as a kid? Joe, we'll start with you. Honey Nut Clusters. Uh,
0: One that nobody has ever heard of called Product 19, which is a Kellogg cereal. (laughs) Don't ask about (laughs) Products 1 through 18. Yeah, they don't... It got discontinued in 2016, and I'm very I sad about that. I didn't know that.
2: It should have been discontinued like in 19.
3: I liked Product 19 <laughs> as a kid, but I was made fun of mercif- mercilessly for that. Yes! Because it it's good. such a nerdy thing. It's like, no, there's hardly totally any sugar nerdy. in it. It's supposed to be good for you. It was like multi grain. It, yeah. it was nice. It was good. So, so mine is actually, I believe in truth and advertising. So I really like sugar corn pops. I think you should know what you're eating. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> um mine was French Toast Crunch the probably sugariest of sugary cereals you could you could get but I loved French Toast Crunch and let me be clear I'm not talking about Cinnamon Toast Crunch I am very much talking about French Toast Crunch it was delicious, it was bad for me, and I loved it. Uh, Just like this episode of Clockwise. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) I suppose all that's left is to thank our incredible guests, Joseph Rosensteel. Thanks for coming back on the show. Thanks for having me. And Shelly Brisbane, thank you so much for
0: being here.
3: Thanks for inviting me back.
0: And Micah, off to have cereal for my lunch, and maybe your breakfast? I don't know. But Uh, We'll be back next week. Until then, however, we remind everybody listening out
1: there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.